Welcome to another edition of the Find Your Calling podcast. I'm Todd Wilson, and I'm thrilled to have Jenny Catron with me today. Jenny is a, a leadership author, speaker, and coach, and has quite a journey in her own personal calling and a lot of things for us to learn from her. And so welcome, Jenny. Thanks so much, Todd. Well, Jenny, if you'd just start out, I want to talk through your vocational journey a little sure. bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's been kind of an interesting journey. I was one of those kids who loved music from the time I could have a pretend microphone in the living room you know, of my home. So I pursued music pretty early on as a kid, but quickly discovered that I was not wired to be a professional musician for life. You know, <laughs> I, I think, uh, fortunately, I think I had those people in my life who would tell me, you know, it's a that's a hobby that's not a like great talent but I loved music and I loved I grew up in a a Christian family I discovered you know I was really passionate about Christian music and just the message of the gospel being delivered through the medium of music I also was discovering about myself this is probably around the age of 13 discovering that there was a business side of music you know there were companies that actually helped distribute music and get it to the masses and so at 13 I kind of set my sights on a record company called Forefront Records and said I want to work there which was located in Nashville Tennessee and I I went to college in Tennessee got an internship at the company began just working uh, in that at that record company and just climbed the ladder went you know for nine years worked there and and saw really my gifts in leadership and administration and start to come to fruition there I started to understand this gift of leadership that I didn't have language for when I was younger started to emerge as I began working with teams and starting leading staff and then if, about nine years into my career there I was part of launching Crosspoint Church in Nashville Tennessee we were volunteer leaders just helping serve and you know support a new church plant and a couple of years into the life of that church plant, Pete Wilson, who's the lead pastor there, said, hey, if you ever leave the music business, you should talk to me. And I thought, what am I going to do in the music business? You know, I'm this kid who's always loved music, discovered my gifts in leadership and administration and how that really could play into the business side of music. And what would I do at a church? You know, what, how would that work? And we spent about six months talking through what I could do to help support the local church in a, in a full-time staffing role. And so I jumped onto the staff of Crosspoint, which at that time was probably five staff, about 500 attendees, meeting in a school cafeteria, nothing flashy about those days of, of church planting, but really felt a calling. And I can remember the specific moment where I was, I was contemplating this job. It was a Sunday morning, Pete's teaching, I had, it was the aha for me of, I had spent my my career that far up to that point helping put feet to the vision of the Christian artists that I worked with. Like, I would take their vision and I would figure out, how do we get that done? Like, how do I orchestrate a marketing and promotions team to accomplish that goal and help get music to to consumers? And I felt like God was saying, that's what I need you to do for the local church. So it was really that point where my gifts really started to connect with this new place, you know, of serving. So I jumped into ministry at Crosspoint and Crosspoint, very fast growing organization. So it kept me on my toes all the time. You know, we went from one campus to five, from five staff to over 50 and 500 attendees to over 6,000. And, you know, it was just one of those crazy journeys where I was always doing my best to keep up with what was happening in that ministry. So again, almost nine years of that. 
And then I get a call from the West Coast, Menlo Park Prez, who says, you know, we want to expand our multi-sites. We want to launch new campuses. We need an executive leader to come and do that. You know, they were seeing what I was doing at Crosspoint as executive director and said, hey, we need those gifts here to help us uh, carry out the mission and vision of Menlo Park Prez. So I, I thought I would die at Crosspoint. You know, it was one of those places where I loved serving, loved the people. We loved Nashville, my husband and I, and thought that was our future. And then we got kind of got this curveball thrown at us and prayed through that, really sensed that God was leading us to that ministry, and moved out to the West Coast, jumped into that, but then quickly realized that my gifts weren't aligning as well with the culture and the organization. So, you know, I had this, uh, uh, I'm a, I say I put feet to vision. I'm somebody, I'm an, I'm, I'm an activator. I'm quick to figure out a plan and map out the strategy and help lead a team to get there. And while those were things that Menlo desired and wanted to accomplish, the pacing was different, you know? So I was at Crosspoint in an environment that was very fast moving and that really kind of, worked well with how I'm wired. And then I get to a culture where similar desire, but a different pace. And it was clear that the fit wasn't going to be a best long, like mm-hmm. a best situation for us long-term. So it was there about two years and did help, you know, relaunch multi-site that we launched a new campus in San Jose, helped, you know, build and align the team a bit and then recognized, you know what, I think it's going to be best for me to move on kind of gave me a recognition of my strengths and just a little more clarity between the two environments to go okay here's a little bit a clearer picture of how I'm wired and where that best works did that for two years and then just recently am stepping out to pursue a little more of the leadership development that has been on my heart and kind of a thread through all of it For you personally, how would you define personal calling for people? Yeah, I think, you know, and it is, it's kind of, it can be somewhat of a vague term. I really believe, I'll use the word, I think it's the idiosyncrasies that make you unique, you know, so I think it's the deep dive. And this is something I learned a little late for me. You use the framework, um, be, do, and go. And I love that framework because I skipped over the be early in my journey I went straight to the do because I am by nature a doer, an achiever, a get stuff done kind of girl. I skipped over the B pretty early and I had to go back. This really happened between my music business days and my move to Crosspoint in that I really had to go back and say, okay, God, who, who have you created me to be? Because I had hung so much of my worth and significance on what I was actually doing. Mm. And so I think that that calling piece is a understanding of those idiosyncrasies that make you unique as a person. Sometimes we like to downplay those things. And I think God puts those very unique parts of our personalities together, that collection of nuances together for a very specific purpose. But we'll try to kind of downplay the differences so that we can fit into the masses. And I think we miss that significance of that uniqueness that God has created for. And then saying, okay, where do I partner with him to bring that to life? Our idiosyncrasies are so complex sometimes, and when we're living right in the middle of them, it can paralyze us from being able to boil the complexity down to the simple. Yeah. So for you personally, you've got this journey of increasing clarity. You're about to embark on a new thing. Yeah. How would you take all the complexity of those idiosyncrasies and boil down your personal calling? Uh, probably, there's probably a couple of phrases that I've landed on over time, but I would say I put feet to vision. 
So that's the the get it done part of me that, mm-hmm. you know, give me a vision and I'll build the plan and I'll help I'll lead a team to get there. So I think I sometimes can distill it to I put feet to vision. I get stuff done. And then the other corresponding piece of that is that I really lead and develop a team to put feet to vision. That's kind of the piece that's continued to emerge as I've, I think, probably gotten more and more clarity on who God's designed me to be. First, it was I was just doing that. And then I was realizing I really have such a heart uh, and passion to develop the people around me to help accomplish that vision or that calling that God has given us collectively as a group. You're getting ready to move into this next season. You've learned things as you go. Each experience can give us positive things that we learn about ourselves, but even places, the parts of the journey where we don't necessarily fit, like the couple of years at Menlo where you contributed but mutually yeah. agreed there's not a great fit here, right. we learn just as much about that yeah. and informs yep. the next season. Tell us the journey part here now mm-hmm. to what you're getting ready to do. I can go all the way back to those early days as a, probably an eight-year-old kid. And I remember I had a great uncle who gave me piano and voice lessons. And he, he threw me on stage one Sunday night at the little church that we were part of and said, hey, you're singing tonight. You know, no preparation, doesn't tell me the song, doesn't, you know, give me any real prep time for this. And I remember it terrifying me. But I can look back to that little instance as an eight-year-old kid and see how his belief in me, his willingness to develop me, his willingness to say, I see something in that kid, prepared me for the opportunities that would come. Mm-hmm. In two ways, really. In the, He put me on stage and started helping me get comfortable with speaking and leading and being in front of people. So just a real tactical, simple thing like that. But then he also gave me the gift of belief. And I can look through my story and I can see leaders throughout my story who believed in me before there was something really apparent to believe in. You know, they saw that little glimmer, that little possibility and said, I believe in you and I want to help develop that in you. And that has given me such a passion to do that now throughout my story. And, you know, when I first became a manager in the record company business, that challenged me and challenged me to learn to see people not as a cog in the machine or a means to get my my will accomplished, more as a person to develop and to um, help steward their giftedness and bring out their calling. So it kind of changed that framework. And then um, even in moving in on to Crosspoint and developing a large staffing team and the complexities of that and it always distilling back to it's all about people and my heart and my passion to develop and bring out the gifts of others and, and, and see that flourish. And I think there's like this beautiful magic, if I can use the word magic, but there's this beautiful thing that happens when a leader can see the giftedness of a person and pair that with the vision, mission, calling of an organization and marry those things together. I think there's just this beautiful thing that happens. I think a God-ordained thing happens when we can help facilitate that and make that make that possible. So I see those threads throughout all that, that journey. And even the, the spot at Menlo, while it didn't end up being the best fit for me long term, it was really clarifying for me because some of those things that had been a part of my previous journey and both at both Crosspoint and in the music business, things that I was just naturally able to do. And when I had, had a season where I couldn't do them, it clarified for me the significance and the importance of them and, and kind of getting back to a place where those, those parts of my calling, parts of my purpose, parts of my gifting can come alive. 
Tell us a little bit more about the new coaching practice, what yeah. you'll be doing there, what your dream there is, what's what's yeah. that look like in this next season? You know, it is it at at its core it's about the development of people. It's about helping leaders understand how to bring the best out of their teams. And I think I'm personally convicted by I think as a leader I have been more focused sometimes on building the thing, building the church, building the organization, building the marketing plan. I mean, you can kind of go back through rather than building the people. And I think that if if leaders can understand the importance of building and developing the people, the stuff gets done too. You need to have the plans for all the stuff. But I think my priorities always were build the thing and build the people was the secondary. And again, over the course of my journey, God's been just kind of flip-flopping those things to get me to see the people first. And then when you can really develop and pour into um, and invest in the people, then the plan's a whole lot easier to accomplish. And so at its core, that's what I want to do is come alongside organizations, churches, nonprofits, even some marketplace teams to say, let me help you figure out how to bring out the best of your team and bring their giftedness to life alongside the vision of that organization. Mm. Say that you were able in this new season to function 100% in your sweet spot. Mm-hmm. If, what's that look like for you? Yeah, I love that question. It's a little overwhelming to some degree of like, ah. Um, I think it looks like working alongside uh, leaders, um, leaders of organizations, people of remarkable influence and responsibility. And giving them hope for the future. Giving them, uh, you know, so more tactically this means coming alongside a a leader and saying, let me coach you. Let me help you see the things that maybe you're having difficulty seeing. Because I remember that. Mm -hmm. I remember days at Crosspoint, Menlo, the music business, where you're, you're too in it. You're too entrenched in the work and in the details and all the responsibilities swimming around you that you don't see what's good or what where there is momentum or where there is possibility. And if I can come alongside and coach some leaders to get the, help them see that and then give them some practical, tactical ways to accomplish it, I think I'm at my best when I can see that leader thrive because of just a nugget of observation or coaching that I've been able to give them. Well, Jenny, if people want to get a little bit more information, you, you're an author, you've written a couple of books, you just sure. had one come out. Just tell us a little bit about a couple of your recommendations on the things you've done. Yeah. Um, My most recent book is a book called The Four Dimensions of Extraordinary Leadership, The Power of Leading from Your Heart, Soul, Mind, and Strength. It is really taking the great commandment where Jesus is saying, love love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and applying that to leadership. Because the implication of that verse is that that's our whole being. It's all of who we are. You know, when we love God with heart, soul, mind, and strength, the reason those four words are there is that it's our whole being. And I think that extraordinary leaders learn to lead from our whole being. We learn to lead with relational intelligence. We learn to lead with spiritual awareness. We learn to lead with strategic planning. And we learn to lead with great vision. And so those are the kind of the four that I focus on. And so that book came out back in December of 2015 and just having a blast helping uh, leaders and their teams unpack that and develop that with their with their staff 
And then you can find me on my website, jennycatron.com, J-E-N-N-I-C-A-T-R-O-N.com. Everything's there. You can find it all. I blog regularly. You can subscribe to my email newsletter, see the books, read some chapters. So Let me press into one last thing. The book came out in end of 2015. Yep. Knowing what the publishing sequence looks like to get a book out, I'm assuming you started writing that book a year and a half before that? Yeah, that's about right. So somewhere about the time you went to Menlo? <laughs> yeah, it was the worst timing ever. And, yes. Well, but let's look at how God works in the story of things. Sure. Part of what you've described the misfit or the not being exactly in sync is you're a fast-paced person, you're right. get it done, you're do the strategy. Yeah. And it's probably not by coincidence that in the very time period where you're having to pull back some from your normal pace... And if we come back to the title and subject of this book, it is the book that is the benchmark for your next season after Menlo. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and that's how it seems like the story of our callings work. It's One so thing builds on the next, builds on the next. And we don't even and, always understand and it. We, and that's the key. We don't understand it at the times uh, that it's happening. So That's cool. Well, Jenny, thank you for being with us. It's uh, Thanks, been Tom. great. We'll look forward to seeing where things go for you in this next season. Thank you so much.